Welcome once again, everybody, to the Collar and Elbow podcast, or the CAE podcast for short. I am Kenny Oak, your esteemed host slash co-host, joined with, as always, by my all-time great, uh, the hype was there for him, and he lived up to it. My co-host Chris Harris. If you're the host and a co-host, it means it's like you're seventy-five percent of, I, of the entire. Some have said I can oh. definitely take on that burden, which you know I'll I'll up with it. Some would say you know you, you, you may you might bust. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm Peyton Manning. You are Ryan Eli Lee. Manning. You know, I still, I still get my wins. You you still won two Super Bowls. Ah, you performed. Who's uglier, Eli? Oh, Eli's way. <laughs> They're both Peyton's not good looking. Head. Yeah, <laughs> their heads are huge. Uh, uh, Cooper Cooper is probably the best looking there one of the Manning of the Manning clan. Yes. Well, you know, we went from going a year. And some, or just under a year without recording anything to now we have two in the same week. Like that's content. It, it is. That's something that we had sorely lacked for a long time, but it's something that we're not going to be missing now. So today we are talking kind of alluded to it. Uh, busts guys who came in with huge potential and for whatever reason, didn't live up to it. Obviously, we're going to be bringing up the names you know already, the names you know and love, like Tim Couch, Ryan I Leaf. I do love these names. Brian Bosworth. Kwame Brown, Anthony Bennett, those guys. The goats but of the categories, yeah. We'll throw some curveballs in there, and we're going to talk more than just football and basketball. We've got some guys in MMA and, and boxing that didn't quite live up to the hype. Yeah. So, I mean, without further ado, Bubs, what are you drinking? Ah, uh, this is vanilla whiskey. Oh. I thought that cup said Scooby Doo. It actually says so, so cray crazy about about you. You bought it. I mean, <laughs> well, it wasn't for you. I'm using it though. Uh, well, those kids are asleep. I get it. Uh, we are live, obviously. If you're watching this, you know already, but we are live on Twitch at Six Star Productions. Uh, we will be on, as long as this does what I'm what it's supposed to do, you'll see our beautiful faces on YouTube. But if not, you will see us or hear us on YouTube. Bob, speaking of Twitch, Six Star Productions. Are we going to be getting uh, some more content going on the Twitch angle? You and I are both, you know, heavy gamers. You are much more of the streamer yeah. gamer than I am. So. Well, I just uh, downloaded Madden 21, and you know, maybe I'll do a quarterback career mm. on that on the channel. Get yeah, that on. Call him Twitch. Ryan Leaf, and it'll be a much better story. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Ah, oh, Bubs. Many years later, the resurrection. That is a hell of an idea. I feel like that, get, that draws a minor crowd. Oh Go, Ryan. God. There's still a crowd you out are, there that wants to see him succeed. You are amazing. Uh, I mean, I want to see him succeed. Let's be, let's be real with ourselves. I, I, mean, know, get I, don't, his... I don't quite know if we were dying for a hero of a quarterback in the early 2000s, late 99 era, but I don't know if it was ever meant 
to be him. Why wouldn't it? I don't know, because Kurt Warner had just been gotten done bagging groceries, and he's like, you know what? I feel like winning some Super Bowls. Well, to be fair, Ryan Leaf came, hit the scene before Kurt Warner had the chance to. Well, because he was bagging so. groceries. He was busy. You know, doing well, he was being a star. Work. He was being a star in the Arena Football League. Ah. Had a game named after him, for Christ's sakes. Maybe but on Bubs, I'm posting this to Facebook. 40-year-old John Elway, perhaps, in that era. I don't know. We are live. Nevertheless, yes, uh, Twitch is going to be popping much more for us now on the Six Star Productions angle. We want to get that going as well because our content before had been a lot of wrestling. And if you heard our, our comeback tour yesterday on episode 89, we're broadening the horizons to all of sports. Um, gaming is going to fall in there as well because we both are gamers to a lighter degree on my side. And we're going to be touching a little bit of everything now. I do have that new Xbox. So you, you do, and I just can't seem to find one in the entire state of Georgia. I got lucky. Unless. I'll just... You have to get it online. You're I, not going to find it I in know. the store. And I need to have four or uh, five devices going at once. That's what I did. To I had me it. with two phones. Mm -hmm. Then I had Emily on her phone. And we had three different carts going yeah, one of them three <laughs> three different xboxes in carts and mm. luckily we coordinated appropriately and didn't order more than one right because that would have hurt the budget it would have you would have had to resell mark it up for a value bub it's okay resell. oh yeah absolutely but uh cae does not pay well enough to <laughs> be don't. able to do no. that 56 bucks come on anchor get Andy. back <laughs> come <laughs> back we need you desperately more than more than ever, Anchor, along with various other you know, manscaped. Well, I'll be calling you later. Yes. I need the... Back in the fold. Well, my lawnmower 3.0 is working just fine, oh, and so I fine. use my 2.0 for other things. Go on. So... Mm. Here we are. <laughs> Speaking of busts, this whole show is a giant bust. Giant, huge bust from day one. Yes, God. We have so much potential. Yeah. But we just could not live up to it for whatever reason. Was it was it our coaching staff, or was it the scouts that that built us up to such a degree that yep. we we look like can't miss? Yep. Yet that's all we've done. It's, There's a deeper problem. We're huge in Saudi Arabia oh, in God. that region. I well, and then the Pan Ams too. We're huge. actually oh. white. Over. I was doing that's, a comp over there. The, that the other day, the Pan Americas, if you didn't. Right, all the countries that happen to be in Pan America. Pan. Yeah. I've competed. Inside jokes. They're great. <laughs> Bubs, I'd like to start with that topic, though, if we're not going to go anywhere else with this. The, what, the uh, Pan Americas? No, not the Pan Ams. Not the comps. More so okay. the entire scouting process and how one becomes can't Over miss. Right. So I think we could. Someone may be unfairly given that label. Right, and let's be honest. It, it, in in major sports, it starts in college usually, and it's it's the scouts, it's the Mel Kuypers, it's the Todd McShays of the world that right. work that the analytical part of this and the draft expertise that begin to label these guys as the you know the next coming of whomever who was a successful person. Just because of intangibles, not necessarily because of skill or... No, no, it's 100% because of skill. 
in my opinion, those scouts oh. label someone can't miss 100% because of skill. So you don't think that they just sometimes arbitrarily pick someone and say, you know what, he goes to this big school. We haven't had a big-name quarterback from this era. He's now the number one guy that we're going to get behind, and they start pushing. That, as far as so you're saying, you're saying that what school you go to is part of your intangibles? Yes. Because I don't think that has anything – Anything to do with intangibles. Intangibles are not quantifiable. They're not. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that if, if a major it's Showing what school you are is quantifiable. Oh, he played at Alabama. Well, I can quantify that he actually indeed does play at Alabama. Now, I do feel that scouts do put a little too much stock into where someone plays their ball. But I don't think that that's something that leads to a person being I labeled can't miss. There's a because lot of blind trust. If, because if that was the case, then every quarterback that's come out of Alabama, Ohio State, Florida, they would all be can't miss prospects, and they aren't. I mean, let's see, Tua was the only can't miss Alabama quarterback prospect Basically ever. And you bought into that too? As watching him on TV, you saw him as a can't-miss quarterback? I didn't, but the scouts did. And, you know, everyone on TV told me. There we, now, we're talking. now you're getting to my point. Good, okay. No, it had it had nothing to do with him playing at Alabama. No, no, no. The, the scouts and everyone else told you. And they, it showed, had they every, showed you rankings right. and they said, we think he's going to be the number one quarterback yes. off the board. Yeah. Yeah. That's not proving your point, though, about – School being you, you an cut me off after about one sentence, so I'm still waiting. For okay, you, you all right? Go on. Whatever. Blind trust, bubs. There's college. Which is apparently, what I have in you, and a lot of that. There's college scouts that scout these kids at high, at the high school level, right? And yes. they label them as one, two, three, four, five star products, right? And these five star guys end up going to the major universities like Alabama. We'll roll with that for an example. And I think there's a lot of blind trust by NFL scouts who are taking into account that a kid was once a five-star product who played three or four years at a university like Alabama and he's six foot seven 340 and he's a left tackle and oh. he, and he runs oh, and he's still, still talking about quarterbacks I was no. like god this guy's mad yeah and he, and he runs a four two you know all these, all, okay. these, all these magic things right and they pick him and say you know what it's all there it's got to be there but how else, how else is that getting proven to us? You know what I mean? And it's not like we have – we can't sit at home and watch thousands of hours of tape of these guys. We don't, right. we don't ever get that opportunity. So we're told this left tackle is the number one dude. Here's our reasons why, and it's the things I just named off. And now they say, well, he's big. He's done this for a while. He was a five-star recruited by somebody else, and we're going to take that and run with it. And now he's the number one left tackle off the board. I do think that there are certain positions where that does lend itself to the scouting process. If you go, if you're a big, strong offensive lineman and you happen to go to an SEC school, you will be given favorable grades. Um, there are certain schools like USC for some reason, if there's a quarterback that happens to be okay, barely decent, like Sam Darnold, 
they get anointed as a can't-miss prospect. So, but it's not solely based on that. It's when someone gets labeled can't miss, in my opinion, it's 100% based on their skill set. Like with quarterbacks, it's it's the kid who's got the big arm. Mm-hmm. Do I need to go ahead and already bring up Jamarcus Russell? Huge arm. He, he had a massive... He can kneel at the 50-yard line and sling it through the goalpost. Mm. Okay. And for whatever reason, that made him a can't-miss prospect. He didn't come from a quarterback school. He right. didn't come from your typical, oh, this guy plays in this system. You know, he, he wasn't even necessarily a winner. He had one really good year where we went... We won 10 games, won the Sugar, sugar Bowl against another guy in Brady Quinn... And that was a rough, rough year for good for, good for Notre Dame to be good, though, every now and then. Um, but because he had those skill sets, he didn't show any of the other typical kind of attributes that are looked at for a tough flight quarterback. But he had the big arm, so he was labeled can't miss. His ceiling was through the roof. That, his ceiling was... Right. You you get what I'm saying. So do you think that since he also played at a major school, even though LSU doesn't typically produce all the quarterbacks necessarily, but because he went there and, I mean, they had a successful year because they are a good program, that that bumped his stock up just just by that point? I think the fact that... If he's good enough to play at LSU, he must be good, right? The fact that he was good in the SEC against SEC competition, right? Okay. Because you have to remember that SEC will always get yes, they will always get the preferential treatment from Mm -hmm. scouts and pundits and you know talking heads on television and on the internet. Um, but it also he was in a quote unquote pro style offense, Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason. Scouts believe that if someone plays in a what's considered a pro-style offense, that those skill sets will transition better to the NFL. Right. But I don't necessarily believe in that. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Cal wasn't really a pro-style offense. Nor is it a powerhouse football team. Generally. No. So. Um, I mean, there's just so many... So many different outliers that buck the trends of the national media and the scouts that there should be less emphasis on the old antiquated reasonings behind Mm. labeling someone a top flight prospect. Because when some of these, if we're talking quarterbacks specifically, you get some of these major programs that have a lot of success, right? And a kid is great at the college level. We mentioned Vince Young before we started, right? So Vince, Vince yeah, Young had a great college career for as, as short as it was. Colton Probably Boyer. the greatest college, one of the greatest college players, football players yeah. of all time. Colt McCoy was at one point the winningest quarterback in NCAA history because he had all the success in, in a lot of years at Texas. And then he okay, so goes to the Moore. NFL and he doesn't do anything with it. So at what point... 
are we being told like this kid is great at this level, but here's that ceiling you mentioned, right? And college is still college. And then the professional level quarterback position, not, it it doesn't always take off, right? If we're talking these number one picks or these sure fires, these, these Heisman's, how many times has a Heisman player flopped? You know what I mean? Yeah. But at what point is it the scouts got it wrong or Mm. where that player ended up on the pro level? Because there's 32 pro teams in the NFL. Do you believe that there's 32 pro coaching staffs in the NFL? No, not full staffs, if that's what you mean. Um, yes. What yeah. what I mean by that is, are there there are 32 teams? Are there 32 NFL level head coaches and assistant coaches? No. To fill. No. So so if a if a young kid went to 32 of those teams, he should be set up in a pro style system, supported by all these coaching staffs, and he should be. With the proper development. Mentored and developed and taught all the mm -hmm. teaching. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. So how many of these guys are unfairly judged as outright busts when they did not have the proper support staff to help mold them? Now, going back to Jamarcus Russell, someone like that was an out all-out, outright bust because the intangibles weren't there. He didn't have the work ethic. Uh, There's an awesome story about them giving him a tape. The blitz package, right? Isn't that what he wants? Yes, and he's like, oh, I loved it. Good stuff. Really good. There was nothing, nothing on that tape. I think that argument is easily defended for some because you see a lot of um, veteran players that, like, stick around and stay in the NFL system. Those players I don't consider necessarily bust. So Colt McCoy is a shitty example because he was never a great starter, but he stayed in the NFL for over a decade. Hell, he's he was, still in. And he is, I think, backing up for somebody still. Yeah. So if he's good Wasn't or not. Wasn't he with Washington? Didn't he be, start this year a game or two? I don't know if he started this year, but he was a Redskin at one point or a football yes. team. Or, a WF tier. A tier. But then you've got guys that absolutely bust out of the NFL like Marcus Russell. He is a player that busted. I don't want. Yes. I, I'll never consider somebody like a McCoy, who is good enough to stay in the NFL systems and contribute and be good no. enough to make the roster and maybe start here and there, spot start, be a backup. But he was Those are never different. anointed as a can't miss prospect. He wasn't even a first round pick. No, not at all. But he was successful at the college level. Right. What we're talking about are outright can't miss prospects that were chosen mm-hmm. in the first round, mostly in the top 10. And I mean, I'm looking at a list right now and let, let's just start from the top. Let's talk about Vince Young. Okay. Was he, do you consider him a bust? I don't consider him a bust because he, did Why? have success in the NFL. He did take the Titans. He had success for the, one season. He won Rookie of the Year. I think he made a Pro the, Bowl. The one season. So I think that he was good enough in that time frame. Well, one season. He played more than one season. He he did, but he had one good season. Yes. 
So that one good season, which happened to be his rookie year before there was enough tape on him to figure him out, keeps him from being a bust in your eyes. He should have never been. He should have never been drafted where he was drafted. Okay, that's for sure. Because there was a lot of hype off of what he did in that championship game with USC and and his year that year in general. But think about that draft. Who went first? Mario Williams. Mario Williams. Yeah. Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Vince Young went third. Mm-hmm. Matt Leinart went tenth, I think, ninth or tenth, somewhere in the Later. top yep. ten, I believe, to the Arizona Cardinals. And Matt Leinart's another guy that he was. He was anointed because he was the, and that's and you and USC was running college football. You remember how yes. they were like the dynasty, if you will, of of that time because they had what well, they had Thunder and Lightning, right? Lendell yes. White, Reggie Bush, and they had all the receivers and a stout defense. I was about to say Rod Dane and Tiki Barber. <laughs> no, <laughs> Lendell, and they had the head coach, right? Yes. And and everything was perfect. And then you what did won that guy ever amount to? A Super Bowl here or there. Oh. Boo. But and, but yeah, he was he was chosen. He was like and he, and he was a lefty, and he went to a pro style system, and he was very good at the college level. Yes, he he was he won a Heisman and finished in the top three the next year. For the Heisman. When Reggie won it, right? Yes. Right. And Vince came in second. Mm-hmm. He he had all the stats. Mm-hmm. But because, and I guess this kind of proves your point, because he didn't really have all of the skill sets. He didn't have necessarily a strong arm. No. He didn't have a very accurate arm. He had a ton of athletic receivers and running backs that great team around him. They threw a ton of receiver screens. That's where a lot of his yards came from. Don't even have to drop back. You get the ball, you turn, you you throw it to Mike Williams, I believe, who yep. was there. Gone. Yep. And boom, fifty yards right there. You, you throw it to the flat to Reggie Bush, fifty yard touchdown. So he didn't have any of the attributes that I would label can't miss, but and I'm just making your argument for you here. He played at USC. Mm-hmm. Winning pedigree. With, and he won mm-hmm. at a big school. And he, because of that, he became... like, Let's say Matt Leiner played at uh, Tennessee. Or uh, a school, which was a school on the decline at the time. Uh, after Philip Fulmer left, or let's actually, let's make it Mississippi State. Would he have led a team like that to victories? No, because he was the product of the system. He was a product of the talent that was around him. Mm -hmm. And he never made mistakes because he was never put in a position to make a lot of mistakes because they never had to. They were blowing teams out by 40. That's true. So. And Reggie Bush was doing a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So when you okay. have a complete power system where you have two top ten running backs and then elite receivers, you can do really whatever you want. And it worked out in his favor. And What a college football like era. That was an that era. Was. That was nice. And hardly any of it. I mean, I mean, to a certain extent, I can call Reggie Bush not necessarily a bust, but he was drafted second overall. By the Saints. As a running back. Doesn't happen and anymore. He yeah. never had a thousand yard season. He 
he had some dynamic plays and we were able to game plan in a way that we were able to utilize him. But what did he ever turn into the massive star that people expected him to? No, because once he, once we got, maker. once the saints got rid of him, he bounced around from mm-hmm. team to team, went to the Niners, uh, went to the lions. I forget where else. And he I think he just played. doing kick oh, Miami at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I he could be on this list, but uh, let's see who else I have on this. God, Joey Harrington and Charles Rogers. The the Lions are. I want to talk about Charles Rogers. Yeah, the Lions are the greatest at this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There are so many to take a. They took him at I think number two, right? Yeah, three. I believe. I think it was number three. Okay, so they draft him two or three. Let me look that up. So they draft him that early, and when you buy into a skill position player that early on, like generally a quarterback would be. And Roy Williams, they did the same thing with Roy Williams. Exactly, and then it, and it busts. You know, you're building around that cornerstone piece that we all. If you're drafting someone Johnson. in the top five, you are. It's a franchise player. Say, right? Exactly, yeah. you're, he's a cornerstone piece that you are building around. Yep. They took Joey Harrington's third pick and Rogers' second pick the year after. Uh, all right, so I had them mixed up. Got it. Joey Harrington. Oof. I love Joey Harrington at Oregon. He's one of those guys that had the high ceiling, big time potential, but there we go. There's that word. Because of the organization that he went to, mm-hmm. it did not pan out. So there's a part of this that rarely gets discussed by by the media. It's Mac Millen. It really is. Some of these organizations are not prepared or capable of handling certain stars or certain right. players that need a sense of development. And then there's others that where it's the obvious player's fault, right? Like Brian Bosworth was a shit person. Never going to make uh, it. Yes. Wasn't Seattle's fault. No. But if, if you go to an organization that has never been successful and ne- they've never had winning attitude, it's very hard to put the right coaches and management and even you know team captains and leadership into an organization where it it starts to mold and come together where you have chemistry and then you can develop players because we don't see a, a great amount of franchise development by teams where you can take a not necessarily like a, a dud player but somebody who's a later round pick and then fully develop them right career until they become the go quarterback like Tom Brady right doesn't right. really happen that or much. Russell Wilson being a fourth round pick. Fourth round, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so I think the two franchises that epitomize your point the most are the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. Because if you want to talk about draft busts, those two teams are pretty much synonymous with that term. Um, David Carr, you know, the first mm-hmm. ever draft pick for the Houston Texans. Tim Couch with the Browns. Uh, Baker Mayfield was being close to being put on that yeah, list thank until. Thank God he had a really good year this year. Yeah. Thank God he got a really good coach to change. There's a lot of talent on that team, too, that we never talk about. They're, they're heavy. Is. Yeah. They are, but they had been, but they've had poor 
coaching mm-hmm. that wasn't able to get them to buy in and live up to those expectations. It's these teams that haven't made the playoffs in decades, right? Right. The, a losing mentality is created inside of those locker rooms, mm-hmm. and the guys end up just being happy with, I'm a pro football player. I'm a starting left tackle. I'm a starting free safety in the NFL, and I'm making a boatload of money. I don't care. Mm-hmm. If I haven't won in 10 years, I don't care if I ever win. Right, because they're still doing fine. Some, some some players don't necessarily care about winning at that level. It still sucks to lose, but you're not willing to you know make the change by yourself. That's why I think it'd be more so Detroit and Cleveland versus Houston, because Houston has had a much better level of success. They haven't won anything substantial, right. but they have you know been a well above 500 multiple times since they since the David Carr era. And Andre Johnson was a winning leadership type of player. And, you know, they've they've had pieces, but it, it's obviously never developed into anything. And now they're... Matt Schaub and Andre Johnson had a good run. Nice. Yeah. Um, Arian Foster was good for a bit running the Rockets. So, OK, Detroit. Yes. Detroit. You're right. Can't win. They, they don't know how. Right. It's been so long. And even when they do win, when they made the playoffs in 2011, Unfortunately, they ran into a very good New Orleans Saints team in the playoffs, who then ran into a very good Vernon Davis. Yeah, he was just a, he, he was just doing goat tight end things that year. No, no big deal. They they haven't been able to follow up on that. They've had a franchise changing quarterback mm-hmm. in Matthew Stafford that they weren't able to do anything with, and. I think Stafford has lived up to, for the most part, to the ex- expectations. Yeah, oh, yeah, Stafford has. But the organization hasn't been on the same level mm-hmm. as him. I kind of want NFL teams, and I mean, th- this has been obvious at, at times too, but to really develop and dive into the win now attitude, like you see a lot of NBA organizations do when teams are, when, when basically they're super teaming, you know, you're bringing two, three. Right even four stars together on a team to try and win now because you're in a certain prime. So when Calvin Johnson was the best, the best player in the NFL at a point, and then you have Matt Stafford, you know, you have these pieces. They didn't do anything to support either of those two players and build a stout defense, give him reliable running game or, or anything else, because you can't win with just a star receiver and a very good quarterback, right? How much of that is, How much of that is the product of the salary cap and so much of the money being put into quarterbacks that there's not a lot of the piece of the pie. There's not as much of the pie left over to build around. I buy that as as a bridge you have to get over because both of those two players are making big money. But that's where drafting comes in. You've got right. teams that can constantly retool because they know how to work the draft. They know how to scout. Mm-hmm. And as we've mentioned, Detroit and Cleveland are not very good at drafting. So, so, when, so when do you accept that and, and go, okay, we can't do this. Let's make some trades. Let's ship off this first-round pick or this player that we drafted early one or two years ago, and let's bring in these Ask pieces. Sean McVay. 
Sean McVay did it right away. He's still they, doing it. I don't know. What do you mean? I don't know how he's still doing it. I don't know how he's still giving away first round picks. I don't know how Win he has any mentality. left. He has. He's probably on twenty thirty five right now when that, it comes to first round yeah, picks. That, that team will not. He is the complete opposite of we'll Jeff talk about Fisher. Them in twelve years, <laughs> the team that just couldn't quite get it done. Nope. Ah, talk about busts. The, the Los Angeles. I love him. He's a treasure. Now they have he a, good, they have a so lot of talent there. White though. male coaches hired in the NFL. Oh God, it's awful. Um, okay, so how about I think we we've talked at nauseum about the NFL, the NFL. Yeah, um, yeah. So why don't you run down your list of players you feel were the major busts that did not live up to their potential? So Jamarcus Russell is that first player. Um, Charles Rogers because of where they took him. And to be a receiver, you have no choice but to be elite. He wasn't good. If you're going at that level now, not at all. And I think I wanted to mention Trent Richardson. I know there's Trent Richardson was obviously injured, right? God about that. Pieces of that, but at the end of the day, his awareness was so. He had like a 22. If I had to give him a rating, Madden rating on his awareness, it'd be a 15. Yeah. At the end of the day, he was again. He's a product of the Browns drafting him, but he was great in college and his his highlight reels are Great offensive line to absolutely because what would you play yeah okay i get it you proved your point on that one made all me right. look stupid all right here's my list i made a pretty good list so we've already named harrington rogers russell i've got tim couch Jimmy obviously couch. uh a couple names that i remember fondly from when i was a little kenny oak sports yeah was okay. Achilles smith Okay. Being drafted by the Bengals in the first round. Kijan Carter. Okay. Uh, ton of potential as a running back. Uh, a guy that is a cautionary tale. Lawrence Phillips. Drafted by the Rams. And that was just someone who... He had all the talent. He just couldn't get out of his own way. You know, with off-the-field issues. Yeah. I just... Fault. Right. And then obviously everyone's favorite, Ryan Leaf. Yes. Let's and what if he would have been great? What if? Let's jump into a sport that you brought up a little bit earlier. And it's one that lends itself very well to the draft where you can draft the one guy mm. that completely changes your organization. Yes. You can draft the LeBron James that completely changes your organization. And then once he leaves, it completely changes yep. your organization. Michael Jordan, uh, Magic Johnson, you know, the list goes on of the one guy that is the franchise changer. Yep. But then there's the list of guys that were thought of to be the franchise changer. And when you've got a lottery pick, when you have a top three pick in the NBA, it is so crucial mm-hmm. to hit a home run with it because it can change the fortune of your organization for years to come. Absolutely. And if you miss it, it'll change. You'll be in the same spot that you are for years to come. Yes. 
it's so vitally important to hit a home run with your top three draft pick in the NBA. Yeah. So, Bucks. Yes. If Detroit had drafted Carmelo second overall, I wonder what that would have changed in the organization because they won a championship the next year. And yes. they were a solid team for the next four or five years in the Eastern Conference with that, that core That guy player. is on my list. And I the understand that. The guy they that. drafted. But instead, right, Darko Milicic yes. goes number two over Dwayne Wade, over Carmelo, over Chris Bosh. Uh, Probably the best draft of the last 20, 30 years. Plus, yeah, yeah. Since like 96, 97 at least. Yeah. So... Yeah, so it's hard for me, and that's the argument that I like to have with folks over this is, yes, Darko's a bust. He's a great Euro player. He's even gone back and had success in in Europe, right? But Detroit won a championship, and they, they messed it up, and they still won a championship the next year. Right. And, well, the piece, to be fair, the pieces were, were there, and the coaching is mm-hmm. – coaching in some aspects is just as important, if not more important. Like, if you've got your one franchise player, like a LeBron, mm-hmm. the coaching doesn't matter all that much. Even though we've learned that Eric Spolstra is actually a yeah, phenomenal coach. And what do you know? The Heat won a bunch of titles. A bunch, two titles. But, um, nonetheless, and went to a final last year, right? Right. In the Asterisk League. So, if you want to know what he's talking about, go and listen to... <laughs> Our last episode. Yeah. Um, so Larry Brown mm-hmm. was, in my opinion, that missing piece, the one that hooked everything in together and made it work. Okay. But where I think it changes is if they draft Carmelo, they have a scoring option that thrusts them into future NBA Finals. Right, because that team was never built on a scoring star. It happened to be yeah. Rip Hamilton from the mid-range for 23 right. a game, but Carmelo is hes in the conversation of best pure talent scorer of all time. So that's your cornerstone piece, and that's exactly what he ended up being for both Denver and New York, right? Yeah, so, he took both of those teams to the playoffs, mm-hmm. and if he would have had the defensive help and the coaching that Detroit had at the time, I mean... I can't imagine what would have been. Would have been. I mean, it it would have been interesting. We could have been seeing Kobe and Melo in the NBA Finals. We could have, right? Against each other. That's a. He's the example of the player simply wasn't good enough, and he and he was never NBA ready, and he shouldn't have been taken where he was. So he's the example of. The player shouldn't have been taken there. Then you have all the other examples of like players that. And he was a fine player. That's what the issue is. Is that? Oh yeah. If he was picked fifteenth, mm-hmm. he would have been touted as, "Wow, he was a very solid player, and that team made a really good choice in picking him up." But because he happened to be in one of the greatest drafts of all time, and was chosen yeah. in front of first ballot Hall of Famers, it doesn't help his case. So let's let's compare the, the player who wasn't good enough and then the people that get injured, right? Like Greg Oden. Right. So Greg was taking Sam over, Bowie. Yeah. Greg was taken over Kevin Durant. And 
that's probably hard for Portland to still accept to some degree. But if you watched Ohio State basketball when Greg Oden was playing, which I did, I was really into college basketball at this point. Everybody was going to take um, Greg Oden. Before he even played a game, he was going to be the number one pick. Right. It was the same exact reason why Hakeem was always going to be drafted over Michael Jordan. Everybody was taking Hakeem. He was seven foot two and he was a rim protector and he wasn't because there's always been, even though there's such an onus on spreading the floor and uh, scoring from the outside, mm. for some reason the big man in the middle will always fascinate. Will always. That's why Rudy Gobert still has a job. Right, defensive player of the year. Yeah. But and they're Miles not the guy. Thinking. There's. There's no one, though, there's not a big man that's going to lead you to a championship. No, not now. Those days died with Shaq's prime. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people on my list are those big men that were supposed to be the next Shaq that would lead their team to titles. Yeah. When, in the grand scheme of things, it's point guards and small forwards that are the true number one. Well, you have to build around. Absolutely. Right. I mean, look at a guy like Zion. He's a hybrid player that can be a four, but you put him at the three, and his athleticism just blows by everybody and he's someone you can build around and if he develops a jump shot that's reliable he's the next problem in the nba yeah yes so let's talk about those guys so you mentioned greg odin he's actually the first guy i wrote down but what about a guy like anthony bennett that was as we talked about before i can't miss prospect he had all the skills uh, went number one overall, one of the many number one overall picks to Cleveland that they just did not hit on, yeah. which proved my point that if you mess up this pick, it sets you back way too far. You need a LeBron to come in and completely change. Correct. Yeah. And then he leaves and look at what, what happens again. Yeah. But Anthony Bennett's a guy, uh, Kwame Brown. Oh, that's someone that was supposed to be didn't, didn't the Michael next pick big him, thing. Though? Yes, yeah. I believe so. Yeah. And he I, got he, he was went, awful. He went nowhere. Bubs, the if you not a lot of people watched Anthony Bennett's game before he was drafted. He was at Kansas, right? No, he played in Canada and UNLV. UNLV. What? What am I thinking of? I don't know. He played at Kansas. Uh, you might have been, I mean, not, no, no, even Nerling Snowell played at Kentucky. Ben McLemore went to Kansas, if that's what you're thinking about. But nevertheless, he, I was never, again, this is maybe goes back to the scouting problem, but having remembered seeing some of his highlight stuff and watching a little bit of that, Anthony Bennett was never the guy where I'm like, damn, that's a surefire number one. That dude's going to go fucking break backboards for the next 15 years. Right, I never, but a lot of people did. I don't exactly know why. 
because Giannis was in that draft, although a lot of people, Giannis was not the player he was in 2013 versus what he is no. now. But Victor Oladipo was there. We mentioned Nerlings Noel, who has semi-flopped, but he's still been a reliable player. Otto Porter, who's developed into something reliable, at least. You've got a list of names, and even other bigs like Cody Zeller playing in Indiana that were better players on the floor than what Anthony Bennett was. And he turned out to be, I think statistically, Anthony Bennett's like the worst number one pick of all time by numbers and by oh, shooting I would percentage believe that. and like lack of games played and all this, all this nonsense. So he's, he's easily my biggest NBA bust of all time because he should have never went where he was. And it's hard for me to say that it's Greg Oden because Greg was riddled with injury and his body he looks like he was 52, right? Remember his entire <laughs> career? So he was 20, 23. looked like he was 85. Right. So just from the draft perspective, you know, guys that go so early like that, there's an injury thing that comes up as well. Brandon right. happened to Brandon Roy. Brandon Roy wasn't a number one overall pick. But, but there was a lot of... happened. Yeah, he was in his career in the NBA. Rudy Gay. Rudy yeah. Gay was supposed to be a big-time player. How about those are all guys that had great college careers and couldn't translate it for whatever reason to the NBA. What about the one guy that single-handedly created the rule for not letting high schoolers go into the NBA? And that is Sebastian Telfair. Oh, okay. Remember when he was supposed to be the next Kobe Bryant? He was going to be, yeah. The next AI. He was going to be the point god, and yes. he was going to be, a, yeah, absolutely. And how he was not good. He wasn't even a competent He played in the NBA, though, player. and he stuck around for a couple years, and everyone remembers his name because early 2000s. You there know, were mixtapes on him. There were all, yes. all this hype. You want to talk about hype. To me, that's when I think of someone who came in with a load of hype, and he wasn't—he wasn't even picked. I think he was a think he was a top ten pick. Ah, I know he played for the Celtics at one point, but that is—and it's such a funny thing to think about. I think he was drafted by the Celtics. When you bring him up, I just remember seeing so many. Mixed, yeah, you say mixtapes. Mix mixtapes, yeah, like and one back in the day. He's related to somebody and it's bothering me. He's from Brooklyn. Mitchell Telfair. He's the cousin of Stefan Marbury. So it's him and Starberry. That'll, that helps his career too. Uh, right there. He was selected with the 13th pick by 2004 NBA draft by Portland. Portland, ugh. Portland just continues to make this list. Yeah, a lot of Portland references. And then, yeah, I went to Boston, and uh, he's a Timberwolf, and he's played around a bit, actually. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Hashim Thabit, though, that's a guy that always comes to mind for me. Okay, tell me. Because tell me more. it was when I've always wanted... UConn, right? Yeah, UConn. The big center, big, tall, lanky dude, like 7-1 yeah. or some shit. So when Memphis took him, I, I, liked the, uh, I oh, always liked the story. You were of, a Memphis guy. For some I've, reason, I've, you always I've, rocked I've hopped the Grizzlies. On, I've hopped on some Grizzly stuff before. And on to see NBA what, 2K back yeah, in the day. To see Zach Randolph and Gasol and these, you know, Mike Conley is such a good team back in the uh, day. You were a huge 12. Mike Conley guy. Big guy. I hated, playing, hated <laughs> playing against you. Those were good times. 
But I, that's probably why I remember him so fondly because, like, when some of these small market teams get good and they, you know, win championships, San, San Antonio is the prime example. They, you know, they've been successful forever. But yeah. you know, my, my favorite team to ever do it is Detroit, and I talk about them a lot. But when you take a team like Memphis and you're like, okay, we got the number two pick, let's set ourselves up, and they take Hashim to beat, who wasn't the most dominant player in college and UConn's a power school. But again, this goes back to big guy, raw talent, looks good, plays at a power school that always wins. Does that mean he should be the number two or three or whatever top pick just because of all those outlying things? It's almost like far too often they take the skill and they put it over here and they take all the other things like, well, look at his height, look where he plays for, look who he plays with. Look at the coaching staff. Look, look how he was in high school. And then they get this new equation somehow. And now Hashim Thabit is supposed to be the, the centerpiece of a Memphis rebuild. And it never really happened. So he's always up there for me. So I think that's a very interesting concept is that I think your idea of the school you played at as an intangible works much better in this scenario in the NBA. It's a lot easier in the NBA. Yeah. Because you see, you know, some of these teams, you know, I think there was one year where Kentucky had four guys, including bench players, get drafted in the first round. Mm -hmm. I remember Boogie Cousins the same year. It's just, and now I'm looking at that 2009 draft. Yeah, Blake Griffin, that was a Blake Griffin draft. James Harden, Mm -hmm. Tyreek Evans. Ricky Rubio, nice Steph draft. Curry. That's a nice draft. DeMar DeRozan. Who went, Brandon, who this went number, might be one of the number best. Three? Who was number three? James Harden. Okay. So there you go. And Steph Curry went seventh, and yeah. DeMar DeRozan went ninth. Goodness. And all these guys are cornerstone Drew, players. Drew Holiday, 17th. I like Drew Holiday. I mean, yeah. it's, it's fun to look at these guys, and I'm glad you – brought up someone like Hashim Thabit who went second overall and to just be like who else is What's in there? this draft and the list goes on and because not to say that Memphis hasn't had some success right you know they made the western finals for one year but this could have been a much different organization if you have Harden if you have Curry even if you even if you take have DeRozan Kevin, look right? at or DeRozan. look at what Toron- Toronto, Toronto did right you you take one of these players and you put another piece around them, and all of a sudden, you know, you have a team that's a problem. So it's the NBA. It's much easier, like you like you led off with. You know, you have the chance to change everything, right. everything with one player, and that is what the Clippers did, right? Blake Griffin is not a bust, but Pat Beverly was in the not. second round. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Clippers started their rebuild with Blake Griffin. Yes, and it didn't. It never worked out, even though they put all the pieces around Doc Rivers. And this never happened, but they, they gave themselves the opportunity and they, they built it, right? And they just I've never failed felt to get that there. Doc Rivers, I think he is overhyped as as a coach. coach. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll die on that hill. He gets the but... hype because he was with Lob City when they were when they were just winning like crazy and they were, you know, well he also one gets of the, the hype because he won a title in Boston. Mm-hmm. But he had his. Team. He had the big three. He had the original big three. Yeah. So it's hard to lose when you have 
talent. When you have three generational guys on a team, chances are you're going to win. Yes. It wasn't like Detroit, who the coach really brought everything together. I don't know. I just, I just, when it comes to Doc Rivers, I feel like there's a lot of left to be desired for me. He gets a lot of free passes. That's fair. But hey, that team in Boston. What do I know? That just team in Boston was nice. Couch. Though. No. Young Rajon was, was a problem too. So he, he, he was. It was of, a great team. He had a lot of talent. And it's hard to lose when you have a great team. Who's who was the fat six foot seven center baby Shack motherfucker? Uh, oh, uh, oh, wait. No, I was gonna say Kendrick Perkins, but not, no, not uh, Kendrick Perkins. Glenn Davis, big, big baby Glenn big Davis. Baby Davis, that's right. From playing, LSU, playing center at six foot one. Yeah, that's right. God, that LSU team was a problem. Glenn Davis and um, uh, Tyrus. What was his? Tyrus. Tyrus Thomas. Okay. Rangy, uh, power forward type that would just block people out of the arena. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. So the final four lost to UCLA. Yep. Hard. That, that was. Florida won that year. That was another Joe Kim Noah championship. That team was also stacked, though, too. That the Florida team. team. Holy crap. That, that was the Al Horford. Speaking Joe of Kim Joe Kim Noah, Noah just. <laughs> Just retired. Did he? Yes. After a stellar uh, career. Okay. I know. It said after, was it 13 years? And I was like, I feel like he played for 25 years. Like, he just was, <laughs> he's been there. He's stayed around. He has. And he's been successful everywhere he, go, everywhere he went and made a ton of money. Yeah. And didn't he win, Did he win a defensive player of the year, too? Or something I like that? I don't think so. No? Six man? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Maybe. He was, I, he was nice. What are some what are some other sports where there have been guys that have just been massively hyped up like a Shohei Otani in baseball or Daisuke Matsuzaki Daisuke was nice from more than he a was, year. did not live up to so baseball in itself is very difficult I've noticed even through watching it you know but more than passively I'll say for the past 15 years and even looking into some of these players, like the prospecting and the scouting is very different because of the farm system that yeah you're looking the, the at MLB five, six, seven years down the line, and that's with a lot of these guys. It's incredible to commit to a, a junior or a high school level player and say, you know what, you're going to be our dude, and you draft him, and then you put him through the system. And some of these guys, they never end up making it to no. the MLB era, and we like eighty percent of them, like eighty five percent of them, never. Yeah. see a major league field and so it's so impossible to say this draft this guy was a bust yeah because there's so much more leeway with baseball right and for whatever reason something could could happen yeah whether he gets into a bad system mm-hmm. like a bad single a double a team uh he just for whatever reason that team is absolutely stacked at that position yep like you have some teams that they're just so good in the outfield that they have this tremendous prospect that'll never see the field because they've got hundreds of millions of dollars in the outfield. tied up to their outfield yeah and he becomes a dh so, player and he starts losing talent and going down and then he's a utility and it just doesn't work and then he's gone 
So right? baseball, it's hard to say, go through a list and be like, oh, this guy yeah, was no a bust, way. this guy was a bust. You can't do it. MLB is very different. It's really about the, the lack of a salary cap helps, right? And I, I do kind of like that to a degree, but that's an argument for another day, I think. Um, but to build a team through trade and through free agency, free agency is really how you win championships. Some yes. organizations – You trade have, those prospects. You do. You, you trade, trade them away when they're still yeah. only potential or they, you know, they're really good in double and triple A. But some organizations have good farm systems. Right, and they always will. They're always going to have that, and some yeah. some of them can just build through that. But some of these smaller market teams that don't have that or have never had that, they're never going to get it unless they get that once in a generational player that just happens right. to do it. And those players in baseball are even fewer than than the NBA and right. and in football. There's not a lot of St. Louis Cardinals out there, and I hate the Cardinals being a Chicago Cubs fan. Mm. Uh, don't mind the texas rangers hoodie that i'm wearing misdirection but yeah keep people on their toes but that's an organization that has always had a great farm system and because of that they've always been a winner Mm -hmm. the yankees get a lot of grief for the money that they throw at free agents but they've always had a good farm system and have been able to bring right so baseballs you can't really i mean you have guys like josh hamilton that were drafted you know number one overall but had their own personal demons that kept them away but he ended up living up to his potential Still had a great career by these right. numbers yeah would have been a hall of fame you know career if he hadn't went to los angeles and just completely went into the tank yep or had his personal demons continue to uh creep up on him yep I look at so baseball. I don't want to, and to enough to a lesser extent, hockey is kind of in the same boat because you have a a multi-layered minor league system where you have the AHL, which is essentially AAA, and you have the ECHL, which is essentially your AA single A kind of leagues. So. You draft these guys looking two, three, four years into the future. Is that why – do you feel like that could be why some of these sports aren't as popular as, let's say, basketball and football? Because you can follow these guys through their amateur careers and then boom right away they're making an impact in the pros so you feel like you have an emotional investment yes so unless okay. unless you were tied to one of these young prospects these these early triple a players or these high school players even unless you know them or you're a family member you right. really don't follow them or track them unless you are a baseball guru and this is just your life and those are the one percent of the one percent of people the casual fan we almost need that instant relatability of you're going to be told this is St. Vincent, St. Mary's high school. This is LeBron James. Right. He's going to be the next thing. And then you see the package and you're like, yep, I get it. And then here we are. Then as right? soon as he made it into the NBA, you're like, I'm following this guy to see if one, he lives up to the hype. Or you may be one of those people that were like, I want to see him fail because he was given so much. Absolutely. So quick. Yep. So in hockey, it's already – it's not an obscure sport, but it's still – it's not followed by everyone in, in North no. America for sure. 
And but you do have certain draft picks like Lafreniere, who was drafted number one by the Rangers. He's already on the ice playing for the Rangers, but that's not always that's the he's case. Out, he's the outlier. Yeah. Right. There's there's always going to be special. Just imagine if the New Orleans Demons Bubs would have been yeah, able to draft him. him. Yeah. But unfortunately, we did not get that draft pick. All right. But yes. There's generational talents that are going to be there for everything. Same thing in football and basketball and in any type of combat sport. They're they're going to be there because you know God gifted them with the talent. And then there's everyone else that has to develop it because they have potential or they were told they have potential. And right. Then you need to be put into a system where you have the training, the coaching, the mentorship, and then you can become, you know, the next great thing. But a lot of players need all those things, and very few players need just what God gave them, and then they're great. You know, right. there's, there's always that, that spectrum is very wide. Yes, like, thinking about, you know, one of our passions is wrestling, pro wrestling, WWE, AEW, the same can be said about some of those guys where there was a lot of hype behind somebody yeah, and they came in and they just did not perform. And like a guy like, uh, let's see, Heidenreich or, okay. you know, these, these big guys, cause Brock Lesnar came in, he was labeled the next big thing. Mm-hmm. He had the look, he had the size, he had everything. And he actually was able to live up to those expectations. What about Tough Enough winners 10 or 15 years ago? When Tough Enough like, was Like Maven? Thing, right? So we have Maven, right? And they, he got TV time and he got a little mini feud, right? But that is a version of a wrestling fan being told, here's somebody with potential. We're going to show you some of their work. And you're going to see it, and you're going to be like, okay, I, I see kind of what they're talking about. He's green, or he can't do this, but he can develop this. And then they, you know, they either do or they don't. And then there's always been these minor organizations, if you will, that WWE at least has had contractual agreements with, like Evolve and Smoky Mountain at times, and all these other yes. you know, smaller places where they develop younger talent and let them get, you know, go go from green to a different shade of green and better at what they do. And then we have Lesnar, Orton, Batista, Batista Cena, Cena, Shelton Benjamin, right? Right. So we have Guys all those, who, those things. Yes. I mean, The Rock The Rock was going to be considered a bust at one point. A lot of football talent, a lot of raw athleticism. There was, and Dropkick. he was pushed as the next big thing. But he couldn't live up to it right away. Yeah. And once again, that goes into, is it the performer? Is it the athlete? Is it the player? Or is it the coaching staff or the organization mm-hmm. that is around him? Yeah. The Rock got lucky. Because when he came in, he was at a time where he would have got lost in the shuffle because the organization was going to fail him. 96, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a different mentality took over. A different... You know, let's say a different coaching staff, a different mindset, a winning mindset, a more aggressive mindset came in, which allowed him to flip a switch and become the big star that he was always touted to be. Mm-hmm. So to kind of wrap all this up, who takes the biggest blame 
is it the player's fault? Is it the athlete's fault? Is it the performer's fault? Or is it his organization that is to blame? Such a such a such a broad, hard such hard a question. Crazy kind of thought to have. Nine out of ten times, my answer is the player. It's okay, the, it's the player's fault, not that he was drafted so high, but that right. he was not able to meet those expectations. And and I do believe that there's like literal maturity problems that are hard for some, you know, young men in in a lot of these cases to to be able to manage. Because if you're 19, 20, 21, 22, you don't quite know yourself yet. You don't know what you need. You don't know how to do it. You might not not even know how to communicate to your staff or your organization what you actually need. And that's not a thing to blame somebody on, but at the end of the day, the girls can do it. You've nailed it, though. That's where the organization comes in. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady doesn't become a goat without having a strong organization behind him. Right. Yes, he's got the work ethic. He's got the leadership. He's got the intangibles. But he needed that organization to mold him and guide him in the right direction. And once he got there, he didn't need the organization anymore. Right. You get to a certain point where you don't need an organization anymore. Yeah, you're a made man. Yeah. Right. Peyton Manning could have gone anywhere and have once he got drafted by the Colts he and was with the right organization, mm-hmm. with the right coaching staff, with Jim Mora and then with Tony Dungy. Yeah, once that happened, he could have gone anywhere and have succeeded. Yep. LeBron James, honestly, he did not go to the right organization. Cleveland will never be considered the right organization, not, but not, it was Miami. For sure, yeah. Miami, yes, Miami was the right organization. Once he went to Miami, became a winner, learned what it was like to take that next step mm-hmm. and win a championship, he has proven he could go anywhere now and win a championship. Yeah. He's won a championship with three different organizations. So at that young, at that early crucial stages, I think it's up to the organization to not fail the, the athlete. Mm. But after a certain point, it then becomes the athlete's prerogative to carry on in the right direction or just completely throw it away. Right. If they were given all the tools and they were handed everything and shown everything and there's really no more, there's no right. room for excuse, you know, if, right. if there's no blitz packages on the t- on the tape, there's no blitz packages on the tape, right? Yeah, don't lie about it. Yeah. So there, there's players that are that are, they're always going to need that that extra step, and then there's again the once in a generation players that already have it. You just got to point them in the right direction, right? And, and they're going to be set, right? And we we still see that to this day. Do you think that Trevor Lawrence is that player to point in the right direction? This is a great great direction to go. I don't know. He was at the right organization. He was Clemson pro organization. Winning. Um, with the right coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Is Urban Meyer going to be... We talked about this. There's 32 teams, but there are not 32 pro-level coaching staffs. Right. Will Urban Meyer be one of those pro-level coaching staffs? I don't know. It's yeah. yet to be seen. He was a huge success in college. But as we've seen, there's not that many Jimmy Johnsons. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Okay. We will have to see 
time will tell on that, but I'm, I'm rooting for the kid. I don't want to see anyone ever fail. I want to see a Jacksonville Jaguar turn around as a franchise and to see, like, this will be our generational experience of watching a kid go from, here's the shiny object, he wins a right. shit ton in college, he's the number one guy, they place him in an organization, and it goes on from there, you know, like this year, right. they, this year they make it to 500. They miss the playoffs rookie of the year though. I like to feel and, like me and Trevor Lawrence are, you know, the same right. because you know, when he, I had just started with my organization when he was given the reins in Clemson and I've, I've ascended. You have. And I, I just, I feel a connection. I want him to also That's gonna be ascend heavy. to the heights God. That I have. Okay. I'm done. With I'm not that. talking about the CAE podcast either. <laughs> Even though we're we're trending, we are always trended. We are double A at absolute just, best. We are rookie ball. God. Okay. We're okay. below. Why are we still green? <laughs> the problem is we're so good. We just yeah. don't know how to market ourselves. No, full of charisma and juice, and we just don't know where to put it all. Point us in a direction. Somebody grab us. We need actual I need production management. teams that can put this stuff together because we're clearly not capable. No, God, no. Um, fucking it up. Yeah. We need an actual – we need a manager, Bubs. I need do. you to find uh, us. Let me get on the horn. Good. I'll call Vince. Because right now we had high potential, but we got stuck with an organization that failed us. Yes, ourselves. And we've we've got a loser's mentality. I, I want to win. Be, <laughs> I'm just happy with where I'm at. Just happy to know. be here, you know, starting yeah. free safety, making cash. <laughs> oh, God, Bob, what a great discussion Solid we had. Stuff and it's all a the fun way around. Discussion that can always be talked about because there's always new names being added to yeah, these sure. lists. So, thank you for joining me, Bubs. We had a great talk. We will continue to have great talks moving forward. We will continue to broadcast live on Twitch at Six Star Productions. You can also find the finished product on YouTube, also Six Star Productions. You can find us on Twitter at CAEPod. We are on Facebook. We're still labeled Collar and Elbow Wrestling, I believe, yeah, I haven't got on Facebook. Facebook. I haven't touched Facebook. I'm working on a WordPress site. We are coming right up. Now. Where's our manager? We need someone to do this stuff for us because I don't have the time. I'm going indoor golfing. Oh, Steve is such a marketer. He is, he but he's got so many comps. Yeah, that he has time for us. Might we'll be in the Pan Ams as we'll we speak. Yeah. But thank you guys so much for joining us. We had a great time. We love everyone that listens, and we love to hear your feedback. Love to know the topics you would like to hear us discuss. And we would love to know just how beautiful you think we are. Because I think it's fairly, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a solid five and a half, six To the moon. Yeah. And you're a good six and a half, Bubs. Point two. Six. We'll round no, up. Okay. Anyway, thank you everyone for joining us. We can't do this alone. We need you to join with us to grow the show because together we're going to make podcasting great again. Thank you, guys.